Today, we're going to discuss tips for dialogue and voice acting. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the 80th episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I'm your host, Zaccavelli. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Zaccavelli underscore or tune in for game development streams on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Zaccavelli underscore. We also have an open community discord. There's an invite link to that in the show notes. Lastly, I want to make a huge announcement the demo for my game, Mirror Throne Auto Battler, is now on Steam. That means you can go play the game and try it out now totally for free. And yeah, this is like a really skinny vertical slice of the total game. I would say there's about an hour or so of gameplay for Mirror Throne. But my hope is, is that you can go play it and kind of get a general sense for the overall game. And yeah, I actually need your help. There is a Discord. You can find a link to it in the game when you go play the demo. Uh, but over on the Mirror Throne Discord, I'm collecting feedback from everyone. I need, uh, well, I need your opinion to help me make the game the best it can be. And now that there's a vertical slice, I think you can see what the game is meant to be in its full light. And it just needs a little bit more polish and maybe some outside eyes to look at it. And tell me what other things I can throw in there or what other features you'd like to see. So yeah, please go give the demo a try. You can just go on Steam and type in Mirror Throne in the uh, search thing and you will find it. I'll leave a link to it as well in the show's description. And it would help me out a lot if while you were there on the store page, you wishlisted the game as well. With that being said, let's move on over to the Game Dev Challenge. The Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where I provide a prompt to the listeners, and it's intended to be a 15 to 30 minutes or maybe even an hour long exercise to kind of cement the things that we learned from the show. I put the prompt out in the episode, people respond to it, and we read the winners on the next episode. If you'll remember, episode 79 was a bit of a experimental episode and we talked about the idea of core skill tuning and I mentioned that it's not a finished idea there's still things we can add to it and I want to thank everyone for in the episode discussion channel kind of giving me feedback on what they thought about the idea and especially in the game dev challenge um, people put it to the test and tried to analyze some ideas or frame some games with the idea of core skill tuning and the winning submission from episode 79 comes from Eunice Nymenen. Their post says, well, it starts off with a header and it says the main idea is wiggle room. I, and this is in the context of they want to add something to the idea of core skill tuning or maybe inject this idea of wiggle room. The post says, having some wiggle room in core skills solves a lot of problems related to gameplay mechanics and feedback. For examples, a fighting game's core skill is counter moves. There are multiple ways to counter your opponent's attacks. Dodge with movement, block, parry, or counter hit with a faster attack. 
This gives players room to develop their own style of playing and deepens the game's skill level with multiple outcomes. I see what Eunice is saying here. They're saying wiggle room is kind of the idea in this sense that you can counter moves with multiple styles. Like you could counter an attack with a dodge or a block or a parry. And having this sort of wiggle room allows players who maybe aren't so good at dodges to still counter with blocks. In other words, there's some wiggle room that you can play with. They give in another example um, in an RTS game, Reaction Time. Being real-time, time is a core skill for winning. Luckily, in RTS, there are multiple ways to react. This genre usually uses the rock-paper-scissors principle. You can react to incoming enemy units by sending in their counterparts, but there are ways to improve your reaction time, and one of the strongest ones is scouting. You can scout the enemy base, what your opponent is building, and quickly react to that before the first wave of attack. Micromanagement on the battlefield is also time-related. Give players multiple ways to improve reaction times. One example is being able to bind custom key shortcuts. Actions per minute is also a huge factor related to time. So in this example, they're saying uh, real-time strategy games, the core skill is time and kind of how you use your time. But there's multiple ways to go about it, right? You could be really good at micromanaging or have really high APM actions per minute. Or you can be really good at scouting, which kind of makes it so that you don't have to be as quick at reacting because you kind of can foresee what's coming. They give a few more examples, and I would encourage you to go read them. But yeah, I'm glad this post won by getting the most votes because I definitely think it's an idea that needs to be injected into the core skill tuning method. If you allow for a little bit of wiggle room, that kind of increases your margin for error, right? You don't have to come up with the perfect solution. If you have lots of wiggle room, then you kind of give players a way to interact with the core skills however they'd like. I think you do run the risk of diluting what it is you're supposed to do too much with too much wiggle room. And really, uh, let's take the RTS example having good scouting and high actions per minute is really what's best, right? That would be what is meta. So I can see some traps that wiggle room solves everything, which I'm not saying is, Eunice is not saying that, but I could see how someone might say, well, oh, wiggle room kind of solves everything. And it certainly helps, but there are definitely traps and risks associated with it. So yeah, congrats to Eunice for winning the episode 79 Game Dev Challenge. For episode 80, I would like you to show off a text animation or dialogue box you've made, or record a clip of voice-acted barks and dialogue. Today we're going to talk about both of those things, both text animation, dialogue boxes, barks, and voice acting. And yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun episode, and I'd like you to show off your creativity and the kinds of things you learned from this episode in the Game Dev Challenge. If you want to make a submission, all you have to do is go to our community Discord, open up the Game Dev Challenge channel, and post your submission there. With the Game Dev Challenge out of the way, let's move on over to the main body of the episode. 
Today's episode is about dialogue and voice, and it's definitely aimed at Swiss Army Knife developers. It won't be a deep dive really into either topic, but more like a practical tips list, or things you can apply to your games so that the basics of your dialogue and voice in your games is a step in the right direction. For a more advanced or deeper or knowledgeable look, you should probably go to someone other than me. Writing good dialogue is a whole skill in itself, and for that you should seek out a creative writing resource, of which I'm sure there are plenty on the internet. And of course, there's no shortage of voice acting knowledge on the internet. It's a pretty popular skill set that a lot of people are interested in. So yeah, for deep knowledge about either one of these topics, or kind of the core content, you should probably go there in addition to listening to this episode. This episode's going to be sort of a two-parter. I'm going to give you practical tips for your indie games that you can implement today. First, we're going to talk about text-specific dialogue in games, and then later in the episode, in part two of the episode, we'll talk about uh, voice acting and, and voiced dialogue and things like that. So I hope you walk away from today's episode with a little bit of extra knowledge on these topics, and that'll be enough to have something decent for your games, and then if you want to go deeper, you can go learn about creative writing or learn more about voice acting. Let's start with written dialogue in games. First, I want to talk about why dialogue exists in games. Well, I think it's another form of feedback that can be both informational and also emotional. It can tell the player what to do or confirm that they're doing something, but it also can help evoke an emotion in the same way a juicy feedback or even background music might do. Let's take a look at a classic example from the original Legend of Zelda. When you go into the first cave to basically start the game, text comes up and a sword comes up and it says, it's dangerous to go alone, take this. And it's an old man with just text above his head. It's the most simplistic form of dialogue I can think of, and it's amongst some of the first dialogue I can even think of in video games, but it's already serving a dual purpose. Firstly, it's telling you about the world and that it's dangerous. This sets the tone of the adventure and tells you a little bit about what you can expect. But also, it's serving as a somewhat quick tutorial. It's implied that you need to use the sword to deal with any dangers. And you gotta remember, this is a long time ago in games. It might be obvious that that is what it's for now. And it probably was even obvious to the people then. But yeah, it's basically serving as a text tutorial. It could have just said, use the sword to kill monsters, but it didn't. Set the tone of the world, while also implying that you should use the sword to deal with any of the danger. Having text that just came up that says use the sword to kill monsters is boring and lifeless and this version of it where it says it's dangerous to go alone take this it's doing a much better job at bringing the world to life and i think breathing life into information the player should know or be reminded of is another way of understanding why you have dialogue for example let's say you have an inventory and shop system in your game the player wants to sell some leftover equipment for some extra gold. You of course have to tell the player how much their thing is worth so that they know if they want to sell it or not. And you could just spit out the number on the screen somewhere, like when you hover the item it just says 5 gold. 
but you could also breathe some life into this interaction. And all you need to do that is to have a dialogue line come from the merchant that correlates to the value of the item. If you offer the merchant a rusty sword, maybe they laugh at you and say, that old thing, I'll give you one gold. Or if you offer them a powerful magical item, they're surprised and they say, for this amazing artifact, I'll give you a hundred gold. There are people who are much better creative writers than me and can really come up with some great stuff for these lines. But my point is, we are serving the function of telling the player how much gold they will get while simultaneously bringing the world to life. Now, I want to give you a word of caution about this specific example. You still have to think about how it fits into the overall design. In this case, I think I can see some potential conflict from a UX perspective or user experience. If you're going to be selling lots of items and doing lots of inventory management, you might want to consider doing both the merchant dialogue lines and the hover over text that shows the value. This way the player isn't required to read all the lines to sell their item. They might want to just quickly empty their inventory when they've done this the hundredth time and not have to listen to the merchant comment on every item. So if they have the hover over text, they can see quickly without having to deal with reading the merchant's lines. I think that's an important reminder that we're still making a game and you can't forget the context when implementing dialogue. But implementing a dialogue line here, I think does bring a lot of polish and breathe a lot of life into the interaction. Speaking of implementation, I have a really good tip for you to help with the other part of dialogue, which is setting the tone and emotion. Now, obviously with spoken dialogue, this is a lot easier. Um, and the second part of the episode is going to get more into that. But here in the first part, I want to talk about evoking emotion with specifically text dialogue. Some of it comes from the content and what you write, which, like I said, you should learn from a creative writer. But you can evoke some emotion and how it's written on the screen with animated text. Anyone that's ever sent an email or text knows that sometimes it's hard to convey the intent of feeling with text. Is it sarcastic? Is it angry? And what is the tone that it's said with? It's hard to tell just on text alone, but we can use color and animation of the text to help with this. And now's a great time to mention if you're using Unity, there's an asset on the asset store called the Text Animator. I'm not sponsored by them or anything. I just think it's a really great asset and it's perfect for this example that I'm about to present. The trick here is to animate and color your dialogue in order to help convey the emotions. Maybe if the character is angry and you want to put emphasis on a word, you color it red and make it shake. A sad character might have a word of emphasis be blue and slowly wiggle. You can do things like this not only to convey specific emotions, but to also help evoke a general vibe of a character. For example, a ghostly, ethereal character might have the text that slowly fades in and wiggles. A robotic character might have text that appears quickly, like a mechanical typewriter. Animating the text and color coding the emotion can go a super long way to bringing the life into the dialogue and helping to convey that emotion in a text-only format. 
You can experiment even further with this. Try different fonts for certain characters. Maybe an old hermit character has an extremely scraggly font. Well, the robot character we were talking about has a more digital one. Maybe the dialogue boxes themselves change with the character. The point is the presentation of the dialogue can go just as far as the dialogue in terms of conveying emotion. If you're looking for specific examples as inspiration, check out the game Katana Zero or Golf Story. Shout out to Computer from our Discord, by the way, for showing me Golf Story. We just happened to be talking about this example, and uh, yeah, he showed me that, and it's perfect. It's exactly what I'm talking about. Anyways, there are a few other tips I want to talk about with regards to presentation of dialogue in video games. There's another way of conveying emotion with dialogue that I'm sure you've probably seen before, and that is including character portraits. The place you've probably seen this is in a JRPG, but it's basically the idea of just having a portrait of the character. It can just be a still expression, uh, but it's next to the dialogue box. And usually you include a few extra portraits, each with having the same character, but they have a different expression on their face. That way you can put the character's face with the expression next to the dialogue. And that really helps convey the emotion or the tone in which the dialogue is said. Now, this isn't possible for everyone because it can significantly increase the scope of the art you have to do for the project. But if you're good at drawing portraits or have a good workflow set up for it, uh, you'd be surprised at how much you can convey with just five or so alternate po portraits of a main character. Okay, my last tip for specifically written text dialogue and that is putting chatter noise in while the dialogue is printed. You've probably heard this noise as well. It might sound something like this. And you can imagine that sound playing while the letters appear in the text box. And notice it has a sort of rhythm to it. I think the rhythm it is differently implemented for different games. There are tutorials on YouTube for implementing a blip speech system like this, but if it were me, I think I would match the blips to the syllables of the word to create that rhythm. This can be used even more to bring emotion and basic feedback to the player. The repeating blip sound can be used to great effect, especially if you use different blip sounds for different characters. This allows you to indicate to the player when different characters are talking or who is saying what, but it also allows you to give a little more personality to the characters as each has a unique voice. You don't have to use blips either. Uh, with lots of text, it can even be sometimes a little bit annoying for large amounts of dialogues using blips. There's other sounds that can work well and bring a lot of personality to it. Go on to YouTube and find clips of dialogue from Banjo-Kazooie if you want to see what like a goofy and charming example of a non-blip speech sound is like. Speaking of speech sounds, let's transition into talking about spoken dialogue in games. Let's start with the pros and cons of doing voice acted dialogue in general. This is specifically in the context of indie game development, so just keep that in mind. I think the pros and cons change a little bit if you're a bigger studio. Okay, the upside of doing voice acted dialogue 
is that it brings lots of emotion to your characters because the emotion doesn't have to be abstracted by some kind of portrait or text wiggle. The emotion is directly understandable for people who listen. It also brings a sense of quality and polish. Good voice acting can bring an aura of prestige or professionalism to a game, and it can be a thing that really stands out for a video game. The downside of it, though, is that if it's not done well, it's very obvious and it can bring the entire game down. Bad voice acting will almost do the opposite of what good voice acting will do. It makes the game feel cheap. Another con is that it costs a lot to get good voice acting talent. So basically, voice acting in general, I think, for indie games is very much a high-risk, high-reward kind of thing. It can really take a game to the next level when done well, or it can totally tarnish the overall feel of the game. So if you're going to do it, I think you got to do it right. Don't get me wrong, you can totally pull off amateur voice acting yourself or with your friends or something. Maybe you know someone with a little bit of acting experience or just naturally charismatic and have a great voice. It can be done, it's just really risky. But if you're going to do it, I want you to be aware of the risks. As we said, it's probably safer to hire professionals. If you want it to sound good and you want it to be that very professional quality that brings that aura of prestige with it to your game, it's probably best just to hire someone who has lots of experience doing it. But if you're not going to hire professionals, what are some things you can do to hopefully avoid it going terribly? Well, the first thing I would say is be careful of overstepping or pushing it too far. What I mean by that is if your game has lots of character dialogue, maybe it's better not to do the voice yourself or with someone inexperienced. On the flip side though, you can certainly breathe some life into a game with short moments of just okay voice acting. Like, for instance, an announcer saying something about a kill streak. As long as you did that with a lot of passion, you probably could get away with doing that yourself. A one-off line from a background NPC is another good example. Limiting it to these one-off bits of polish ensure that the whole game's narrative doesn't rely on it. That way, if it doesn't sound so good to some people, it's not going to ruin the whole narrative. Another example might be a horror game where you play as a lone character. Most of the dialogue and narrative is done silently through reading notes or exposition of what's happening in the character's head. But maybe you have a radio or something in the environment that occasionally plays commercials. Voice acting that commercial yourself could be really fun and bring a lot of life into the environment. And it's okay if it's not the greatest because it's just this extra thing that is easily ignored. Another good example is a bark. If you don't know what a bark is, it's a game development term for when a character says a short line as a sort of feedback thing. Like when you select a character in an RTS and they say something to confirm you clicked on them, or an Overwatch character saying a line to let you know what the character is, or if you didn't see them and you're distracted by something else but you heard them. Little bits of voice acting like this can go a long way, but I would say that it's really easy to like overdo a bark with bad voice acting. I think if I had to pick a spectrum of things that are risky to things that are less risky, the announcer announcing a kill streak and barks for characters are definitely more on the risky side. Whereas the 
environmental commercial background noise is on the less risky side. Let's say you're on a low budget and you do want to pay for voice acting. Well, if you're going to pay for it, maybe you can center the game's narrative around one character. Think of a game like Portal. Gladys is really the only character that speaks, but it's such a memorable character. And a lot of that is to do with the content that was written and how humorous it is. But also the voice acting is done really well. And it's only one character, that's all that was needed, but it was done so well that it's become sort of a iconic thing. There is one more angle that I would like to mention about this, which is the development of AI voices. I think these have come a really long way towards sounding human in the last year or so. Like the technology has really made leaps recently. And if you haven't seen it yet, you should check out the AI voices from Eleven Labs. It's pretty amazing how far these have come in such a short time. And I think it has potential to be a great tool for indie devs that need a lot of voice acted characters. You can even clone a voice. Obviously, you should get explicit permission to clone a person's voice, and you need to handle all the contractual things that go along with that, but that allows you to do so much. You can swap dialogue or change it without even needing to re-record. You can even have lines of dialogue voice acted by the same actor in multiple languages, even when that voice actor doesn't speak that language. It's pretty amazing technology, and why I switched to using an AI voice clone for the podcast last year. <laughs> I'm just kidding, or am I? The point is, only a sharp listener would be able to tell the difference, and in five years, I don't think anyone will be able to tell the difference without the assistance of technology. So yeah, anyways, existential crisis aside, let's say you aren't going to use AI and you don't have the budget to hire anyone, and you're going to voice act this thing yourself. If you're going to go that route, I wanted to give you three tips that I think will help. There are all sorts of good voice acting tips on the internet from actual voice actors, so I would supplement your learning with that stuff as well. But I'll give you three things that I think will get you going in the right direction. Number one, when you record your voice lines, you want to have the highest quality mic and recording environment you can. Now, you can go really crazy with this, as many of you may know. A professional voice actor might have like a multi-thousand dollar recording booth. And I'm not saying you need that, but you should try and record your lines with the best mic you can get in a quiet space that doesn't have a lot of echo or background noise. There are ways to fix it after you record it, but trust me, it's just easier not to need to fix it and record it right the first time. The second tip I have is when you're actually performing the lines, do multiple takes where you change the pitch, delivery, emphasis, tone, all those things uh, with each new take. Doing that and listening back to it will help you find something that sounds right. I like to mess with the cadence and tone, especially when recording lines for the podcast, for example. There's an element to voice acting a podcast, believe it or not, and if you don't believe me, let me read the next line twice and you tell me which is better. My next tip is to make use of voice filters and post-production. Or my next tip is to make use of voice filters and post-production. Do you see the difference or I guess hear the difference? 
cadence and delivery makes a huge difference and tone and all that other stuff I mentioned. I think with all of your different takes, you should just mess with it. Even if you think it might sound goofy at first, it might be right. You just have to mess with it and kind of iterate over it like you would iterate over anything else. So yeah, the second tip is just to figure out what kind of delivery sounds best through multiple takes. And then the trick of that is, is to keep that consistent for all the other lines whenever the character is speaking. When you find that delivery that works, then you have to keep it consistent for all the other times the character speaks. Okay, the third and last tip, if you're gonna voice act it yourself, is to make use of voice filters and post-production. There are so many great tutorials on YouTube for altering voices. I personally use Audacity, and part of the reason I do is because of the tons and tons of tutorials out there for post-production, mastering, and effects. And I actually thought it'd be fun to do a live demo to demonstrate some of the stuff we discussed. For this, I'm going to record some barks and maybe a line of dialogue. Let's imagine this is for a generic sci-fi space FPS character. This character has the trope of having a crazy sci-fi helmet that they never take off, making them a mysterious and stoic protagonist. First, we need to record some barks and that line of dialogue playing with the delivery. So I'll just do some barks now. We'll pretend this is like for a RTS game and you just clicked on the character and gave them an order. The barks might go something like this. Moving. 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 Roger that. Roger that. Roger that. And for the dialogue, we'll use the line, they say the eyes are the window to the soul. Good thing my visor's tinted. They say the eyes are the window to the soul. Good thing my visor's tinted. They say the eyes are the window to the soul. Good thing my visor's tinted. From those clips, I'll pick my favorites or the ones that I think worked out the best. These, I think, were my best takes. Roger that. Moving. They say the eyes are the window to the soul. Good thing my visor's tinted. And with those takes, first off, we'll clean them up so there's not as much background noise or they're like the perfect sample of just the noise we want. And then we'll apply a quick audio effect that I found on YouTube for a generic helmet voice. When that's done, it comes out sounding like this. Roger that. Moving. They say the eyes are the window to the soul. Good thing my visor's tinted. And you can see from that how much better, I guess, the audio clips feel. Those almost feel game ready. Uh, the voice acting for the dialogue, obviously, could be done better, but I'm not a I'm not a voice actor. I'm sure if you gave me a hundred takes, I could find the right one and eventually find the character. But yeah, I think the point stands by doing those three simple tips, you can get something that is at least workable and not totally awful. So with that demo done, I think we need to recap everything that we talked about in today's episode. Today's episode was about dialogue and voice acting for video games. 
Remember that these topics are much deeper than what we discussed today, and if you want to learn more about them, there's information about that all over the internet for the respective disciplines, so you just got to go out and seek it. First, we talked about why dialogue exists in games. It exists for both a information communication and emotional communication purpose. It can be used to tell the player something, like how much the thing they want to sell is worth, but also to set the tone, like speech coming from a lighthearted merchant. Remember that text dialogue can sometimes struggle with conveying emotions, but there's some ways we can animate and color the text to get around that. In order to convey emotion, in addition to animating the text and coloring it, we can play with fonts and dialogue boxes, chatter noises, and even uh, portraits next to the dialogue to help convey that emotion. When it comes to voice acting dialogue, uh, we spoke about a few things. Firstly, it's a high-risk, high-reward kind of things. In other words, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. Hiring professional voice actors will give you the best quality, but it's also pretty expensive. You may be able to reduce these costs by focusing on a single voice character in your story or seeing what AI tools have to offer. If after all of that, you still decide you're going to do the voice acting yourself, uh, just you and some friends, then you should start with three things. Number one, a high quality recording environment and a decent microphone. Number two, doing multiple takes and listening back to them to find the right delivery. And number three, making use of post-processing and effects on your recordings to bring them more to life. And yeah, I think that's going to be the end of today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. It was fun making the uh, voice acting demo section. And I think this was a really interesting topic picked by the patrons, by the way. If you want to become a patron and vote on what episode topics we do, you can do that by going to the patron link. It's in the show description. And yeah, by becoming a patron, you get access to voting on the episode topics you get a special role in the discord and you just kind of directly support the show it is the best way to support the show if you want to support me as a game developer it would mean a lot to me if you went and tried out the mirror throne auto battler demo which is live today you can go play the game that i've been working on and this will eventually be my next indie game release and i need your help actually i need you to go play it and get on the Discord over there and leave me some feedback. Tell me what kinds of things you need, what kinds of things you liked, and maybe things you didn't like. It would mean a lot to me if you went and did that. And while you're over there, if you could wishlist the game, that would make a world of difference. So yeah, be sure to go do those things. And with that, I'm going to sign off. I have been Zachavelli, and do you ever wonder why we're here?